folks, and welcome to Season 1, Episode 14 of the Grave Consequences Podcast. I am Caleb B. Follow me on Twitter there. Follow the show on Twitter at GC underscore cast. Follow, the so- follow Social Suplex at Social Suplex. Subscribe to the Social Suplex Podcast Network wherever you download your podcast. Um... Let me see here. Oh, also, if you want to hear more of my lovely tones, every Wednesday night after NXT or Dynamite, Eddie and Caleb's HeroCast drops a new episode every week. That's where I review comic book movies in chronological order. I believe this week we have got... It's either Tank Girl or Batman Forever coming out. I believe it's the Batman Forever episode, actually. But... Anyway, all things considered, uh, I just remember we're like three weeks ahead, so that's way off. Either way, whatever. Listen to whatever episode's out the the week this episode drops. Anyway, (laughs) folks, that's enough from me. Greg, today we're reviewing the episode entitled A Shot of El Patron. That's quite the clever title, wouldn't you agree? It's pretty clever, and he plays a significant role on this episode i think you could say that mm-hmm. oh absolutely yeah absolutely so speaking of the first thing we see is el jefe and el patron conversing in their office i'm going to be completely transparent i didn't take a lot of notes down from this nothing really stuck out to me uh did anything stick out to you in this back and forth between jefe and patron there's only one thing that stuck out, and that's when Patron says to him, "I like your key. What does it? Uh, what does it unlock?" Ooh. And Dario looks at him and just asks him, uh, "So, what do you want?" <laughs> Voids the question. <laughs> he may as well just said, "You don't want to find out." That was because, it, yeah, that will. Uh, that is an important part of Lucha Underground lore for sure. Oh, he did ask him. Uh, what his ask was, he, he asked him a favor. Uh, yeah. But they didn't. They didn't say what it was. And he said the next time the, the request I make will be for blood. So we didn't see what the request was, or we didn't hear what the request was. So we don't know. Yes. So this request, this was from El Patron, or this was from Dario. El Patron was like, "I have a request of you," and uh, Dario okay. was just like, "Why do I? I, I don't care." <laughs> It, it, it they said a lot of nothing besides that one thing i said well now i don't feel so bad about not uh taking notes down for that particular segment normally that doesn't happen folks i don't know what was going on um anyway first match of the night was our Hennis versus phoenix this match was very good um as our i mean to say a phoenix match was very good that's like saying michael jordan was good at basketball of course, and you're probably underselling it. Yeah, and they're, and they're, you're normally going to ha- spend your time better pointing out the bad matches. I've never seen one from Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, There were some awkward spots in the beginning. I don't know if we picked up on it. I, I think it might have been the editing uh, because there were some strikes that just kind of looked kind of wonky, like one car- one person didn't wasn't in the right spot. But I, I really think it was just the, the camera work because um they kept going it didn't look like they were struggling or upset with each other so i don't know did you pick up on any of that did it seem kind of weird uh no because i was mostly focused on the story if i can completely confess um 
it is worth pointing out, just another aside, Arhenis wrestled a match and he hit the brown eye kick again. Yeah, it's becoming a staple of his. I don't I never remembered that. I, I guess maybe it goes away. <laughs> yeah. So eventually Katrina comes down to the stair uh comes down the steps by herself, this being a week after she kissed um Phoenix right square on the lips, you know. And uh she was watching oh my god, Vamp and um Stryker during this. Actually, okay, Stryker his commentary was kind of cringe, but like Vampiro was like kind of like uh oh, dirty dirty joke telling uncle kind of charm. Does that make sense to you? It would be like if you went on Instagram and you read the comments on thirst traps. Yes. And you read yeah. what the guys were saying. <laughs> like on a Carly Perez post, for example. Yes, like any of my comments under any of her pictures, yes. <laughs> that would be accurate. But there yeah. was um there was some pretty there was two cool moves in this in this match, um yeah. there uh, our, uh Phoenix does a leapfrog over Arhenis, and as he's passing over him, Arhenis hooks his arms back around his legs, and he turned it into a gory bomb. Yes, and it's like that. It looked like it if that were like if wrestling were real, that would be more damaging i think than a regular gory bomb because of the momentum phoenix had and the height and it would take less effort from uh arhenis because he's all he's doing is hooking his arms around the back of his leg and have to lift him up he basically got you know a big power bomb off of uh doing nothing or a pancake i guess technically yeah and yeah. then later arhenis does a one-handed driver like a like a one-winged angel with one hand where he took he picked him up off the uh turnbuckle with just one hand and did a driver. One thing I'm finding out is like our Hennis, you know, brown eye kick aside, he is like one of the unsung heroes of this season so far. Dude, I don't know how he didn't get pushed because this was a match to, to highlight Phoenix, but I didn't take yeah. any notes on what Phoenix was doing, even though Phoenix was doing awesome shit. Yeah. I was like, our Hennis was doing stuff where I'm like, either it was really technically cool, like I'm like, mm -hmm. wow, that makes a lot of sense in the fight. That's amazing. Art was just a fucking one-wing driver. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, to be fair, I believe Arhenis later on in the show, not to give away any major spoilers, because I'm not putting a name out there, but I believe he does take up another mask later on in the series as another character. Oh, I didn't know that. I believe so. I could be mistaken, but I do believe so. Oh, by the way, uh, when the the action was hot and heavy, lots of back and forth, Katrina at one point did look a little bit uh, very interested, as it were. Matt Stryker points this out and he says, you know, at the risk of sounding like a pervert, Katrina looks turned on by this action. That was the cringe. Mm. Then Vamp's follow up. And normally Vamp one up Stryker. And I'm just cringing even harder. But what Vamp said made me chuckle. He said, the risk of admitting I'm a pervert, I am turned on by this action. Well, I mean, it, it it's cringe, but it's also like not really the best well, way again, to tell the story of what's just happening. It's one of those. It, I agree. I agree. I see where you're coming from from an analytical standpoint. Yeah, but it's just one of those the vamp the vampiro line. It's one of those like ah, you know, funny uncle telling a dirty joke and that sort of thing. That's why I got a chuckle out of me, you know. Yeah, and he's supposed to be the bad guy, play by or color commentator. Color. I, yeah, I never remember which one's which, but 
you know, it's it's more cringe when Matt does it because Matt's supposed to be like the the goody two shoes, and it's yeah, I don't know, it's 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 kind of it's like the the guy from uh, remember the Instagram guy, uh, Tom Phillips was his name. Uh, oh yeah, Facebook Tom. Yeah, it's like greeting his like you know kinks. It's like uh, it's, you know you don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but, exactly. But it just was a terrible way to kind of convey that she's interested in Phoenix and kind of made it seem like it was just about sex and it's it's not you know i mean i think no it's a battle for for the soul yeah it's it's i'm not gonna say it's love uh because you know she's evil but yeah (laughs) but i will say that it's it's that's kind of like undercutting what's happening right here the story they're trying to tell is like is she is she crushing on him like not just thirsting for him but like you know yeah, at least I think that's what they want to say. Yeah, and it's worth pointing out, you know, the main difference between play-by-play and color. And I think you you may know some people don't, but uh, you know, play-by-play basically just gives you the action, and color commentary they give you more details. They add more color to the story. Basically, like if we were uh, the way our podcast works, you're the play-by-play guy, and I think I'm the color to be honest with you. But because you you noticed more you've noticed more of the athletics than I have to be completely transparent here. Wouldn't that make me the color guy though? No, no, oh. I believe that would make you the play by play guy because you're calling the play by play action, whereas I've more honed in on the story myself. And okay. that's not to say that that's not to say you ignore story. You certainly don't. You do a good job here. Uh, you know, I just think that's kind of how we we mesh you know yeah we mix and match yeah it's funny man doing this this 14 episodes in man i feel like we're getting a groove we're not talking over each other as much as we used to man no i think the only next step is um better equipment yes or at least me that, that is yeah i come across I, pretty meek i think i could use a better headset but my mic is good yeah, it's we'll figure it out. It's, we, I'm not a, um, I, I'm the editor, and I'm not a media guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. You're not a media guy, but you're more inclined to edit than I am, for sure. Like I have no inclination on editing. Uh, oh, by the way, this is all staying in the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll keep it. I mean, we only cut out the stuff that's like really egregious and like controversial. Exactly. <laughs> But yeah, Phoenix. Uh, oh, like when we like when we spoiled uh, someone's match at the last last show of season one. Yeah, stuff like that, or if like you know some of our friends uh, on the other shows actually know people in the business. Yeah. Uh, so we we because we we're not really trying to get like the big you know uh, what's the what's the word like the big scoops. We don't really yeah. our show doesn't really need that. So no, and we're a and retro some of the, show. Yeah, and some of the people like we're fans of, so we're not going to fuck up there, especially if they work in WWE. Like, mm-hmm. We're not going to spill the beans on them about because like, if they think something and it goes against what corporate feels over there, yeah. we're not gonna we're not gonna fuck people over because especially there's no, a few guys exactly. in uh yeah there's a few guys that a few of the guys know that I like a lot <laughs> and I will mm-hmm. never fuck their shit up even if it was like a bombshell I don't give a shit <laughs> yeah. We're not going to get like uh, not. We're not going to be like superstars. No. No Brad Shepard work over here. Uh, although we could just make up shit if you want. 
I mean, we could go. Yeah, and we real, could do some dirt sheet shit. Yeah, full blown Brad Shepard just making shit up. Um, <laughs> Phoenix won. What exactly did he win off of, man? I can't remember. Was it a power bomb? Phoenix driver. Phoenix driver. Duh. Man, see, you're the play by play guy. You pay attention to this stuff. I didn't and even see. I it. was Ampiro just I said was, it. <laughs> I was in a funk yesterday for some reason. I can't figure that out. But anyway, Katrina, after after Phoenix leaves the ring, Katrina gives Arhenis the lick of death. So that was hot. Uh, I was at half chub. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> the very next thing we see is a vignette featuring Mil Muertes and Katrina. And Katrina is basically berating Mil Muertes. And when this was going on, I was like, does she like not realize like Mil Muertes could fuck her shit up so hard? Well, at this point in the story, I don't think it's um, later on you get more information on their dynamic. Yeah. Uh, but at one point, he lifts her up by the throat, and they do some clever yes. editing to make it look like that was actually... really clever. I agree. I agree. And they show his dominance, and while she while he's doing that, and even after she put he puts her down, as she has eye contact with him, she's just smiling. But as soon as that he walks true, away. Yeah. As soon as he walks away, her smile fades, and she actually looks a little worried. So they're trying to tell more of the story of the unhappy, uh, or the broken house, I guess. Broken household. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's lo- Trouble she's in paradise. Man. Yeah, they're, they're emphasizing that, and you know she, she's laughing at his attempts to dominate and intimidate her, but they kind of imply that she's acknowledging, even if she won't show him, she knows that he's dangerous. Yeah. And I did like, you know, right before he picks her up, because, you know, she's just berating him. She's like, you need to. And he, like, shuts her up by grabbing her by the throat and says, I need nothing. I like that, too. Oh, my God. Mil Muertes is such a badass, dude. Well, he's supposed to be like a void, like a a Michael Myers, kind of like there's nothing inside. Mm -hmm. So when he said, I need nothing, I kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um all that being considered, this was not the end of Mil Muertes on this show, because as Mil Muertes is leaving, Chavo Guerrero exits a nearby door, and he <laughs> tries to beeline out of there. Not happening. Not happening. Mil Muertes says, next week, you pay your debts. Well, he turned and, a swing on uh, him. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a bad... He Chavo probably should have just ran. He should have, yeah. Oh, my God. That was great though like of course the guerrero tried to try to sneak attack him and uh didn't quite work out and you know i, I love that man because i don't know if we're gonna see mo Muertes versus chavo next week or if it's gonna be like some more backstage stuff but i am very excited for sure it sounds like yeah it i i hope i kind of hope it is and i hope it's short but we'll see i it's gonna come to a point when chavo is not in the temple much this season tomorrow knowledge there's gonna become a lull and i'm not gonna be too upset about that i will say that no he's not the highlight and he shouldn't be the one they're pushing anyway um but you're right oh no 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 he's gonna keep the story going he's just not gonna be inside the temple (laughs) you're right yeah yeah uh, so after that, we had a vignette from Big Rick. He's going to confession. So I guess Rick Long Stevens is a Catholic for what it's worth. Um, I guess he, so. he's telling this preacher, he's telling this priest he's going to destroy three Judases. 
we, we are seeing flashbacks of, you know, them like beating him up, you know, blinding him. And Rick says, these hands won't shed innocent blood. And this was my favorite line of the, of the promo. He says, it's time for big Rick to go old Testament. I was like, Oh my God, that's awesome. That's and uh, the priest says, I beg you, son, go in peace. And this is when we see the first shot of Big Rick's face. The first full-blown, like, non-obscured shot of his face post-cigar attack. He's got an eye patch on. And he says, even God said, vengeance is mine. Do you remember when I told you that these were the best vignettes of the uh, season so far? They're pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I... they are the best of the season so far, yeah. Yeah. Glad you agree. Glad you agree. So... Man, Big Rick's coming for the crew. And again, I am so, so excited to see that. Should be oh, good. Oh, by the way. Yeah, it should be. It should be. Absolutely. So next up, we had Son of Havoc and Lisa in the ring. And the one thing I noticed immediately is they were much happier with each other than they were last week when they left. There was and one other thing. Like, that okay. Did you notice that his voice did not sound the same? Is that his real voice? Oh, uh, I did not notice that. I will have it to wasn't go, by, go back and watch. It wasn't basic okay. at all. Like it didn't. It wasn't like um, it wasn't high pitched or anything. But yeah. there was. It wasn't like this. It yeah, was just, of course. I don't think they added the extra the uh, the added effects. And if that's his real voice, he doesn't. He didn't need it. Well, Matt Cross isn't like high pitched. He's just soft spoken. Okay. Yeah. It was. It's his voice sounded less bassy, so I, I didn't know if like they just forgot or if they didn't do it. Uh, but when he was talking, it wasn't. Um, it was. It didn't sound the same. Maybe I was just thinking well, it. I don't know. They are gonna use the bassy voice in backstage vignettes later on in the season, but if they don't use it in the ring anymore, I wouldn't be too upset. That's for sure. But like I said, the one thing I noticed before his opponent came out is. They were kind of loving on each other, you know, where there's like shoulder grabs or, you know, a kiss, that sort of thing. Uh, and then, you know, Son of Havoc says, you know, he's dedicating this victory to the love of his life and the baddest bitch in the building. Out comes his opponent. This is stiff competition. Johnny Mundo. So, OK, one thing real quick, some uh, trivia. All three wrestlers at the, uh, you know, at ringside or in the ring. So, Son of Havoc, Ivelisse, and Johnny Mundo. All three of these wrestlers are Tough Enough alum. Really? Yeah. Uh, so, Matt Cross and Ivelisse were on the same season. They were on the 2011 season that was hosted by Stone Cold. And Johnny Mundo won the third season, I believe. He won the season before... Yes, it had to have been the third, because it was after... Shaniqua and Jackie Gata and before Matt Cap no Matt Capitelli won season three as well. Uh but before Daniel Pugh won season four and nearly uh broke Kurt Angle's arm. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> I love that part too because Kurt was so pissed and he got yeah. Uh, was it the Royal Rumble where they all just chopped the shit out of him? Uh it was Benoit, Bob Holly, and Guerrero just chopped the shit out of Pewter. <laughs> Was Pewter a dick, or was he? Was that just a misunderstanding? I never really understood that. I I think it was just a misunderstanding. Like I think they told, like they told 
computer to shoot, and he shot, and things happened. Yeah, I kind of felt bad for him because it felt like, you know, you tell someone to go in there, and then a wrestler, and Kurt Angle, I love Kurt Angle, he's probably my favorite wrestler. Mm -hmm. And I understand why he's angry about it because, you know, yeah. that guy in his yeah, and he, and by a rookie, yeah. Yeah, and and he and it's he's right. The rookie shouldn't do that, but someone gave the rookie directions, and the rookie followed directions. Yeah, and so he was damned either way. But uh, he shot and he won, and it's one of those things where a wrestler gets upset because the other guy that can fight wins. Yeah, and it kind of just reminded me of Jericho and Goldberg, where it's like, well, <laughs> I mean, in a real fight, you know, sorry. <laughs> Is Jericho even trained in any, any discipline? Like, I mean, I think to my knowledge, all he did was, like, grab a face lock, if I'm not mistaken. It was a face lock or headlock, but uh, wrestling moves are based on real grappling and submissions, and, and the hearts really know, um, I don't okay. know what it's based upon, but they they know submissions uh, based on wrestling and, and real submissions. So, like, uh, kind of like, kind of like daniel bryan knows a lot of real grappling um stuff that would really hurt uh, i don't know if you remember that clip that james threw in there where he's doing that wrist lock to a uh looks like a key lock and then the homicide oh yeah <laughs> yeah like it's it's it, the, it, he knows real ways and he's also a hockey player so he can probably brawl <laughs> oh god so like he he knows how to do submissions he knows how to do them. It's just uh, usually doing it in a wrestling style. Where if he were to go against a Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy, would he win? Uh, maybe not. But you know, against Bill Goldberg, yeah, he can probably. You know, he stood up to Lesnar. Now Lesnar yeah. probably could have beat him because Lesnar's yeah, Lesnar. Oh my god. Yeah, Jericho has balls. Like Jericho is a yeah. badass. Like you shouldn't fuck with him. Um, because he probably knows how to fight from hockey, <laughs> and, mm -hmm. he, and he went to the the, the dungeon, so he knows yeah. submissions. I'd rather get knocked the fuck out and have my arm broken. Yes, absolutely. So, man, this match though, this match was amazing, dude. It was. It like, was this, a, this was a showing out. This was a coming out party for Son of Havoc, man. They were they were chanting for him, and he did an insane springboard crossbody where he had so much height he almost went all the way across the ring. Okay, so I wrote this down as a sideways elevated elbow drop. It was when Son of Havoc showed off his epic core strength by perching himself sideways in the air using the turnbuckle. You could even call it a plank. Yep. Yeah, that's fair enough. And that's core strength. It was because he was on the outside of the ring, holding yeah, himself exactly. up, completely uh, horizontal. Yeah, completely yes. horizontal for a, for you know a good couple seconds, and then yeah. he did drop a perfect elbow. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely, man! It was awesome. Like people are falling in love with Son of Havoc, and they are going to be rewarded for that for sure. Um, I did, did you also see at uh, one point. Sorry, go ahead. I know we just said earlier how we were not talking over each other. <laughs> <laughs> but did you see how Johnny Mundo did that thing where he cut the like uh, Havoc was on the outside and Mundo parkoured and cut across the ring and dove and basically did like a like the end part of a sling blade on him. Oh my God, that was yes. awesome. Yeah, it was. I agree. One thing that was also really awesome 
is when Son of Havoc went up top for the uh, to the top rope, and Mundo got up just in time, or got up early enough that Son of Havoc could rebound, get off the ropes, and he did a cartwheel to get off the top rope. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. I didn't like the finish. I, I don't know if you're still going over the match, but if uh, the finish I didn't like. Okay. So I did notice also there was a springboard double stomp into a standing moonsault from Son of Havoc. That got a two count. <laughs> and oh my God. Went up top, ate it. Son of Havoc eats an enziguri at the top rope. Oh my God. Son of Havoc has the match won. Mundo is done. But for some reason, Son of Havoc is still like. Like, Ivelisse is yelling at him, but he's not getting up on the top rope like she's saying, even though he knows he should for some reason. I didn't and this may be what you hate about it. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's just like one of those, like, I think it's to drive home the point that, like, yes, Son of Havoc is losing these matches on his own, but his girlfriend is certainly not helping. Well, she was telling him what to do. <laughs> she was like do it she was like do it as do if it. he didn't know like his instinct w- would tell him to go up top so i don't think he needed to hear that that was the thing but then he also wasn't doing it he was like talking to her that's i, I don't know I, I didn't get it like me I, I think maybe i'm just not understanding it because because even vampiro is shouting like do it do it do it and it just seemed yeah. like it went on forever uh, yeah what well, it did seem a little long so, Son of Havoc goes up to the top after what felt like forever. Go for the shooting star press. And Mundo gets the knees up. Eventually, Mundo hits the end of the world and gets the win. After the loser's powder, Mundo is in the ring celebrating. King Cuerno comes down. And I love this because as King Cuerno was coming down the steps, it's like he was actually stalking him. Like, he was slow and deliberate, slow and deliberate about it, you know? Oh, he had some nasty shotgun drop kicks, like sniped him. Mm-hmm. Took his head off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was slightly disappointed. You know, I'm a mark for it. Uh, King Corno did not hit Thrill of the Hunt on the seal. He was just off the seal this week. So that's slightly disappointing. But still, you know, we've got this, we've got this feud going strong so far. And I'm ready to see where it goes, man. Me too, because I don't remember it. <laughs> oh, well. They have a gimmick match in the future that I believe you will love. I will leave it at that. I'll tell you off the air what it was. Fair enough. All right. Next up, Ricky Mandel versus Pentagon Jr. So at the start of this match, Vampiro did a, oh, Ricky Martel. Oh, no, Ricky Mandel, Joe. Did you notice that? Yeah, that went on for a little bit. And I I kind of chuckled because I like stupid dad jokes like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I probably would have on initial watch if I was watching at the time this episode came out, but you know, 6 years later not so much. Yeah, it's it, it's it was not cringy like the other line that uh, striker said. So I I guess I just gave it leeway. Yeah. So really not a lot to report for, from this match. I mean, Chops that hurt like hell. Double stomps that hurt like hell. Ricky Mandel gets a hope spot in with a head scissors and a drop kick. What kills the hope spot is when he goes up top because Pentagon was not was not nearly damaged enough for 
Mandel to get plenty of time to go up top. From there, it was all Penta. He hit a sling blade and then another double stomp. He locks him in the Kimura, I believe, for the verbal submission. I always love a verbal submission. You know, I'm a real mark for that stuff. Yeah, in the last episode, we asked, or I asked, because I didn't remember him actually ever getting actual submissions off of it. Yeah. And this was number two. and That's two in a row, yeah. Yeah, he gets the arm trap of the leg, and he I guess it's technically a Kimura. I don't really know what you would call it. Uh, um, maybe just an arm bar? I don't know. Yeah, it's it's some kind of arm bar, arm breaker. I mean, there's probably some technical term. I'm not really – I'm not trained in ground grappling, so I don't really know exactly what it would be, but yeah. an arm, arm bar, I guess, seems fine. That's yeah. what it's doing. It's bending the same way. So the victory wasn't enough because, again – not only does Pentagon work to win, he works to hurt people. I get yeah, I said, love uh, that they're go ahead. No, I was gonna say they're <laughs> we're we're already over we're already back to talking over each other, but we'll edit this part out. <laughs> That's fine. No, we can leave it in. Fuck them. Fair enough. That actually makes it easier for me, but uh when he when he lifts him up after he goes through the pin and he lifts his head up, Vampiro says, That's not dirty, that's evil. And mm-hmm. it made sense to me because when you do something dirty, it's to like get a steal a win or to hurry up and roll someone up or hit them with a low blow so you can steal the win. But when it's yeah. evil is when you you're trying nothing, to like hurt them. You, yeah, you have nothing to gain by letting him up, letting him up from this pin. Besides being sadistic or sen- or even sending a message like I am better than you, like it, he mm-hmm. was there to do. He had bad intentions. Say that. Yeah, he he absolutely did because the victory wasn't enough. He has the arm breaker locked in, and then he breaks the arm from the elbow. Oh, my God. Um, the crowd loved it, too. Like, the crowd has really fallen in love with Pinta because the crowd He's chants, so, so, Cerro Miedo, as it were. He's totally over. The fans love him. I don't know if they expected it to blow up as much as it did, but he is over. Yeah. Well... <laughs> There comes a point when they realize just how over it is so much so that they have to do a certain something with his gimmick to... Yeah, I'll, I'll explain off the air. Um, <laughs> you already know what I'm referring to, but oh well. Pentagon yeah. grabs the mic, says, another sacrifice for my master. So... Did you see the camera maestro work guy over is, I did not... They do an awesome overhead shot of him over this, him standing over or on his knees over the seal, looking yeah. up at the camera because they have the overhead camera in Lucha Underground, which is amazing. Yes. And they take a is, shot yes. of him like praising the, the, you know, his master from that position right over the seal. The badass. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. So the main event of the evening. This is the first time we've run into this where the main event segment is not a match. That's kind of interesting. So out comes the debuting AAA heavyweight champion, Alberto El Patron. My God, was he over in the temple? He came out pumped and he had energy. And aside from, uh, (laughs) aside from crazy. uh, Okay. What, what is crazy about how over the temple, like, cause you can tell when there's canned heat and when there isn't, and the crowd was legitimately very excited to see that guy. When these people come out to the ring, the live crowd isn't hearing any music. So they're only reacting off of what emotions the wrestler is giving them. 
and they were in love with Alberto here. Yeah, he was pumped. He came out, and at first I was kind of like, all right, whatever. But he was so pumped, and it came through in what he was saying, that besides one thing I think was technically not true, he didn't even speak any falsehoods. Like, he said a lot of true stuff, and he got the crowd pumped. Even though, like, we got on them about being too much about WWE, and a lot of it was him, like, you know, shitting on them for being, you know. There was a little bit of a Boys Up North vibe to his promo, for sure. Oh, straight up, and uh, it's... I mean, he's right um, in this. Have we talked about what happened? I think you did last episode. Well, you know why he was fired, right? Yeah, because he some guy that worked behind the scenes said something racist. So they're uh, real quick, real quick. They're catering one day. Social media guy like has a dirty plate or something. And someone says, hey, clean that up, Cody. And not not Cody Rhodes. Someone behind the scenes named Cody. He says, "Hey, clean that up, Cody." Cody says, "That's a, that's Del Rio's job." Which, oh my god! And that's a stupid thing to like, say for multiple. It's twenty fourteen. You can't say crap like that, dude. So Alberto wasn't here to hear this. When Alberto is told about it, he is he confronts Cody. You, you know, kind of gives him some breathing room, but he's like, "Hey, you know, what did you?" Why'd you say that earlier? And Cody just smirks at him. So Alberto slaps the guy. Well, Cody goes to corporate because, by God, can't have people slapping people. And Cody basically threatens to sue if they don't fire Del Rio, which they do. But they grant him a unconditional unconditional release so they don't get tied up in litigation with Del Rio either. So basically, this was why Del Rio was able to come to Lucha Underground so quick. And why, like, in late 2014, he was doing shows for, like, Ring of Honor and all these other things. And AAA, you know. That's not much, though. So so they they fired him. And then, like, I think a month later, they fired the social media guy. So he didn't, you know, he didn't have much longer to stay there. Thank God, because none of this happens if he's not a racist piece of crap. No, and it's it's one. It's stu- even if you, if you know his Del Rio's history, like he's not, and if you know his future, <laughs> you know it's not a good idea to try to like to antagonize him because he's got a temper. And Isn't he's, he's he a, a fighter. trained MMA fighter? Yeah, he doesn't have the best record, but he being if you get into the ring and you fight multiple times, you're you're a badass. But yeah. you, you can fight unless you're and, CM Punk. But yes, yeah, unless you're CM Punk, he's the bottom. <laughs> 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 but uh, he, he, and from the future, like when I asked about him beating up the Ninja Turtle, Del Rio will fight you. And yes, he's in the right there. And frankly, like he got, if all they did was just take away the no compete clause, he got kind of screwed over that. And I'd be angry too, because he should have probably a been little open. Bit, a yeah. little bit, but I mean, he came back like a year later. So, yeah, I mean, but I mean, like he, he slapped someone, but like, don't remember like i don't know if you watched the dark side of the ring who was the wrestler that slapped the the uh the journalist <laughs> he got in a lot uh, of d david schultz yeah like that's like a and they don't wrestlers don't do that anymore but oh i don't know like a wrestler slapping a dude i don't know just call it kayfabe <laughs> i mean it's one of those though like wwe was kind of screwed either way because like well if we don't fire del rio this guy's going to sue us if we 
it, it was a whole thing. There, it was a no-win situation for them, and it was all oh, no because doubt. some jerk off made a racist comment. Oh no doubt, like they, they, I, I, my only criticism. And by the way, is, like I'm not saying, I'm not saying like Del Rio is like blameless in this situation. Like there are better ways to respond, I guess. But I mean, I can't blame them for being angry. Uh, sometimes I think violence is a good answer to an issue. I <laughs> frankly, yeah. Uh, yeah it, but you. They, uh, my only criticism is that they probably should have, like, if if he was if he had the rest of his contract, they probably should have paid him for the whole contract. I they might have. I would have to look into details on it, man. But um, I don't think he went away a poor man. I will say that. No, no doubt. I'm I'm just uh, it him being let go, and and thankfully the other guy was let go like a month later. It's just. I don't know. I, I'm having trouble articulating, but it just seems like he he definitely kind of got screwed in that situation. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I can't think of the best way to say it, so we'll just move on, I guess. Well, you're you're saying about as much as Alberto said in his promo. Basically, Alberto is out here. And by the way, Stryker did a great job on commentary here. He did a great job of selling the importance of Alberto El Patron and Lucha Underground. But that being said, Alberto didn't really say a much. Didn't say a lot here. He takes off his jacket and tie because it's all friends tonight, man. It's all friends tonight. You could tell he was excited, man. Or at least he did a good job of portraying excitement. He name drops basically his entire bloodline. Um, he says, you know, man, where, you know, elsewhere, like I had friends that embraced me, but when I turned around, they stabbed me in the back. And he said, I'm here in Lucha Underground. Because I wanted to work where equal meant something. A place where the color of your skin doesn't hold you back. So he's like a modern day Martin Luther King. It's like, oh my god, like he's do- doing like a whole equality thing. This is wild. Even though this will never get referenced again as long as as long as Alberto's on the show. No, this was a oh, fuck the boys work. up in New York kind of kind of promo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Alberto says, tonight the revolution begins. And before he can continue celebrating, he is jumped by Tejano. That's right, folks. We got another debuting luchador here, Tejano from AAA. Someone who I had never heard of before Lucha Underground, but he was actually the man that Alberto beat to become the AAA heavyweight champion. Tejano uh, just beat the crap out of Alberto with the bull rope, and Tejano grabbed the belt and says, soon it'll be back home. It's a good-looking belt. It is. I agree. It looks better than the... Even before Cage ripped it in half, it looks better than the current Lucha Underground Championship. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, man, that's... My God, that's the show. It's so weird to end it on a promo, though, man. Um, how are you feeling going into this Alberto and Tejano program? I... You know, I'm not excited... <laughs> and that's from oh, yeah. having watched it before and just oh, okay. yeah i don't i'm not a big fan of tejano um yeah. and i didn't i'm not the i don't know a lot about alberto because i wasn't watching wwe at the time and he's yeah. good but like doesn't really do anything for me to me like alberto and wwe was a bit of like a three-star savior <laughs> honestly dude like i'm not saying that to be a dick like a lot of Alberto's work didn't really stand out to me. 
Yeah, he's more of a like a gimmick and promo guy, right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and that's and being a three star savior is not an insult. That's you know a good match. That means you're at least serviceable. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's a lot of people. A lot of matches sometimes aren't, and yeah, you know, uh, I, I just I'm not. No, I'm not too excited. <laughs> yeah. No, I understand. But you know, all things considered, uh, doing our good old one to ten scale, how would you rate this episode? Um, maybe a seven point five. Okay, I get you. Um, I'm gonna go seven. It was just something about the card, man. I mean, the the, the vignettes were great, but like the matches, they didn't really stand out. I mean, other than Son of Havoc and Mundo, and I mean the. The Pinta squash was cool, but it was a squash, so it's hard to rate. So I'm gonna go seven this week. Yeah, seven. I I wouldn't even argue against that because I and like you said, I don't really know what it is because it's it's um it the sum of all its parts sounds amazing, but yeah, I, just compared to other shows, I can't really. I mean, I should probably give it a seven. Uh, and the seven, <laughs> like if you were to do a, a, a star scale, because we go to ten, so yeah. like a eight eight an eight would be a four star. Yeah. You know? 7.5 so seven is, is like a three and a half or yeah yeah it's good um like yeah. a 3.75 it's just i can't give it a four <laughs> yeah i understand i understand and i mean that's being that you know that being said you know we're down on this episode as a whole but we'll give it a seven so that tells you how good this show is man yeah seven out of ten is great exactly exactly like I just reviewed, I just recorded a for Eddie or for the Hero Cast. We just recorded a review of Barbed Wire. I would oh, kill if that movie was seven out of ten. Oh, <laughs> like, that, that movie, movie like is awful. Yeah. Uh, actually, funny enough, yeah, I rated it a three. Yeah, and I'm not someone that's like when Meltzer gives someone like six stars, like I kind of understand that it's something that broke the scale. But for me to give something and I've when I was reviewing my own show, I had yeah. like a, I did letters. I did F through through S like a, yeah. a S or F through A was normal. But I gave you yeah. an S if it like blew my mind and it just changed the way I look at wrestling. I, yeah. I can't really give any a 10 is is like a perfect wrestling match. <laughs> exactly. Our perfect show, and it, yeah. there's there's things that were like you know, like I didn't like the finish to the Matt uh, Cross and uh, to to the Son of Havoc and Mundo match. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I thought there was some jankiness in the early parts of the Phoenix match, yeah. and uh, I I don't really care about Patron. Um, yeah. Even though it was a good promo, it's just like it did end on a promo, so I don't really care. <laughs> yeah. Like, you've got to do something huge if you're going to end the show with a promo. And this is no disrespect to Tejano, because I remember really liking him in season two. But mm-hmm. Tejano's not that huge thing you end the show with. No, and it's and it was... A, and even though I, I liked the promo, it was still... There was a, a lot of, you know, F the boys up north in, in New yeah. York. And, it's, and, like, you and me both feel like, okay, that, you know, not everyone's going to drop a pipe bomb, and you know, this isn't ECW. I don't really care how you feel about WWE. I, like, I don't watch mm-hmm. it because I don't like it. I don't need you to tell yeah. me you didn't like it. You just got a lot exactly. of money. Exactly. There's <laughs> nothing. For me. It was like a pipe bomb. I don't care about. Yeah. And it's again, it's especially funny when because when it came from Mundo, it's like okay, he's gonna end up back in WWE. So clearly, this is like a jilted lover situation. Alberto ends up back in WWE less than a year later. 
yeah it's i don't like those promos because it, it made sense in in the in the monday night wars shit mm-hmm. yeah. i don't think it makes sense anymore because like no. it's not it doesn't have the same it's not as like uh shocking it's not as jarring or controversial it's like okay yeah you had a bad time in wwe add you to the list of 100 wrestlers that that mm-hmm. feel that way like it, that, yep. it means nothing yeah no i agree I agree. Like you have you have a friend like you like you have a bunch of friends that go out with like the same girl and she's terrible and she treats them like crap or the <laughs> same guy that the guy that goes back to the same girl that treats them like crap after a while you're like i don't want to hear it <laughs> yeah exactly yeah exactly pairing wrestling to uh to bad relationships <laughs> <laughs> uh that's peak greg um let's get out of here man we've had a we've had a doozy of a day if you will and folks, we are going to get out of here. More than anything, I want you to remember that no matter who wins this quiz time four-way that we've got lined up in the future, be it me, Jeremy, Josh, or Rance, it doesn't matter. What will always be true, what is a universal truth, is that this is the true ace of podcasts goodbye folks we are not alone here on the social suplex podcast network there are plenty of other great shows on here none as great as ours of course but we have on this lineup a bivy of great shows including 8-bit suplex suplex hosted by sandy gaviria and josh mclaughlin even though he hates me for some reason we also have all things elite hosted by austin s and my boy my fellow Oki floyd johnson jr Again, that's All Things Elite. That covers AEW, and it does it in a damn good way. We got Get in the Ring, DJ Cooks, great host. Also, he hosts a show called The Great Match Generator. And I believe uh, once or twice you've been on that show, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Greg? I was on the first one. We've also got Grown Men Watch This Shit. Again, that's James Vanderbeek and Chris Bryant. Two great guys, in my opinion. Another show, uh, New Japan-centric, Keeping It Strong Style, hosted by... Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh Smith, a couple of great guys in my opinion. Lo- loads of great people on this network. If you if you notice the theme, also of course we got the OGs of Social Suplex. We got One Nation Radio hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd every Sunday on the network. We've also got the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. Last but not least, I love those guys. They're my homies from Scotland. Ricky, you are one handsome devil, and you guys put on a great podcast. And always remember to listen to the Grave Consequences podcast, or there will be Grave Consequences.